Before I get into the sermon, I do want to take a little time to thank Dennis and Annette, actually. Uh, the past few days, Friday and Saturday, I know you probably don't like this that I'm calling you out, or not calling you out, but rather, you know, that, don't take that the wrong way, but thanking you. I know, are you embarrassed? Oh, no. Anyway, <laughs> I want to thank them because they, they, they helped out with, uh, there was a gentleman in need, and so they helped out. Uh, we, we went and helped them on Friday, and then they took it under their own initiative to help them on Saturday. And so, look, I know, I know y'all, y'all don't do this for attention, but uh, it's very much appreciated because there are times where, you know, I can't do everything on my own, obviously. Nobody should be doing everything on their own, and so it's very helpful, and y'all did a lot to help the uh, gentleman out. And so that being said, before we get into the sermon, I also want to say a prayer. Our Father in heaven, you are good. Lord, we pray that your spirit would work in us, that your spirit would sanctify us. Lord, that we may look and act more like your son. God, you know our hearts, you know our desires, you know our motives, you know what's inside of us, you know us. And you know us better than we know ourselves. And so I pray that you would change each of us, not not just in superficial ways, but change us in our hearts, change our hearts, change our minds. May we be servants like your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, this word meek has been... I guess, confused uh, in our, our society. Sometimes people will define it as somebody who is easily put into submission. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's not what biblical meekness is, okay? Biblical meekness, as you can see on the screen, it really has to do with somebody who is gentle, somebody who is humble, somebody who is considerate or benevolent. Okay, what meekness is not, what biblical meekness is not, is being a doormat, Okay, so when he says, blessed are you who are meek, he's not saying, blessed are you doormats. To be meek really means that you're not a doormat. It means that you don't treat other people as doormats, okay? To be meek means you are gentle, you are humble, you're benevolent, you're loving. That's who you are. You're not a a doormat. And so in Matthew chapter 11, this is the text we're going to be in today. Matthew chapter 11. In our text, we see what it means to be meek, and not only that, we see what it doesn't look like. So Matthew chapter 11, we'll start in verse 20, read through verse 24 first. And then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You'll be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on this day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Apparently, things in these cities that he he gives these woes to, apparently they're bad. All right? They're bad. In fact, he compares them to Sodom. He says, you know what? It's so bad where you are that you're worse than Sodom. 
It'll be better for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So what's going on in these cities? Because right? as we know with Sodom, there was uh, idolatry, sexual immorality, that kind of stuff was going on. So what's going on in these cities that he's denouncing? We'll continue on in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Wise and understanding. That's who's in these cities. People who are wise and understanding. How? Because to us, you know, when we hear about people who are wise and understanding, if a city has a lot of wise people, surely that city would be well off, right? After all, wise people, they know what to do. They, they have understanding. They can do the right things. See, the issue is, the reason it is so bad is because they think they are wise. They think they are wise in their own eyes. They think they have understanding. That's why it is bad. They are self-righteous. They think of themselves to be wise. And in contrast, as verse 25 says, he's revealed things to little children. Little children. Now, Jesus certainly literally invites children to him. We do see that in the text. But here, I think this has more to do with than just children. What does it mean to be a little child? I'm sure you've heard of this before. It maybe partially has to do with the, the faith that children often display. They, they don't really question things too much. And not only that, just think about this. When, for you parents, when you raise a child, what do they do often uh, when they can't really speak? They point. If they need something, they point. Another reason why I think Jesus tells us or he reveals things to little children is because they know they need stuff. They have a need. And so for us to be like little children is understanding that we have a need, not being self-righteous, not thinking I'm so wise, not thinking I can do this, I can live life by myself, I can do the right things. Rather, we are to be little children, understanding that we are not wise and we need God. Continue on in verses 26 and 27. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. The Father is only revealed through the Son. You cannot know God the Father without Jesus. And to whom does Jesus reveal the Father? It says to whom he chooses, but based on verse 25, it's people who are like little children. So here's something important I want you to get in your mind. If you want God to be revealed to you, if you want to know his will, do not think of yourself as wise. Understand that you don't understand. That sounds a little contradictory, but you get what I'm saying here. We can't be self-righteous. We can't think we can do this on our own. We can't think that we justify ourselves. We've got to understand we need God. Verses 28 and 30. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now you may wonder, what does this passage have anything to do with meekness? I don't see the word. Well, that word for gentle, that's the same Greek word translated as meek. And so Jesus is saying, you know what, I am meek. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in me. Now, one thing I do want to point out here is, well, it's kind of confusing. What does he mean by take upon my yoke? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, I will clarify, this is not something original to me. This is something I've heard before. Now, with the yoke, you've got to consider what Jesus was. What did he do for a living? He's a carpenter, right? Yokes were made out of wood. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's not saying, I'm going to take one I got off of me and put it on you. He's saying, I'm going to make you a yoke. I'm going to make you a yoke so that you can carry your burdens. Because here's the thing, not everybody is the same. We all know that. Not everybody is the same. Therefore, Jesus, he knows that. He knows that he's going he's to take special care of you so that you can take care and, and hold your burdens. That's why he's going to make you a yoke. Jesus is meek. He'll take care of you. He will give rest for your souls. Continue on in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests and the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In this text here, we see those who are not meek compared to Christ who is meek. And he's calling them out. Uh, these Pharisees, these people who think they're wise, these people who think they justify themselves, Christ calls them out. Now one thing he points to is the reference in 1 Samuel 21 where David, he's fleeing from Saul, right? And he's hungry. He doesn't have anything to eat. So he goes into the temple and eats the bread that he's not supposed to eat. Right? He's pointing to their king, your own king did something that was against the law, but do you have an issue with that? And then, of course, he points out something with the priest. If you could go to the next slide. So essentially, for the priests, there were concessions for them. The priests, they did work on the Sabbath, but wait, are you not supposed to do work on the Sabbath? And so Jesus, he's pointing out to these quote-unquote wise people, look, if you really knew the law, you would know that you have exceptions to it. Your own priest, according to your law, violate it if you're going to be so strict about it. 
And then, of course, one of the main things Jesus says here, he says something greater than the temple is here. You're so concerned about doing what is right, uh, temple worship, but let me tell you something greater is here, and that something, that is rather someone. And that someone is Jesus himself. He's telling them, look, you're, you're, you're so concerned about worship in the temple, going through the right motions, but guess what? That temple means nothing anymore, and now God is in the flesh walking on the earth. I am the temple, something greater than your physical thing made by hands is here, and that is me. Look at verse 7 again. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Instead of showing mercy, they legalistically follow what is right. They value the law over love. See, people who are meek are people who show mercy. They don't turn people away for the sake of law-keeping. Continue on to verses 9 through 14. He went on from there and entered the synagogue, and a, a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. And the Pharisees went out and conspired against him on how to destroy them. People who aren't meek, when somebody needs their help, they'll say, I can't because fill in the blank. Now, a good example I've thought of somebody, if they were meek, is this. So, we, we all know Eddie, obviously. We know Eddie. And uh, when he was a nurse, say, say he was here in church, he was worshiping, right? But then somebody out in the audience, say they had a heart attack, right? We're in the middle of singing something, worshiping. Is Eddie supposed to just continue singing, singing because that's what we should do? Or should he go and help that person who's having a heart attack? That's a pretty obvious answer, right? Now, uh, thank goodness Eddie's not here. I wouldn't want to give him a big head or anything. And Vicky's like, oh, he has a big head. <laughs> anyway, so you get my point. As you see on the slide, one phrase maybe to really wrap this all up, meek people meet people's needs. That's purposely kind of like a tongue twister. I thought it was neat. Michaela thought it was cheesy. Uh, <laughs> meek people meet people's needs. And that's what Jesus does. He sees people who need something. Yeah, he knows the law. He knows it better than the wise people. But he knows doing good, loving. That's what the law at core was about. The problem with the Pharisees was they thought they were so wise that they took it further than it was meant to go. Meek people meet people's needs. And Jesus is meek. Going back to Matthew 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I want you to recall this audience again. We've talked about them a few times, right? It's afflicted people. It's people with diseases. Now think about this. Would people have been meek towards them? 
See, these were people that were outcasts. These were people that were denied by their own family. These people were treated as trash. So no, people were not meek towards them. And Jesus looks at them. He looks at these people who are suffering and says, look, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit to the earth. Though people may not be meek to you, you can be meek towards others. He says this to people who are suffering. Blessed are you, the meek, for you shall inherit the earth. What does it mean to inherit the earth? The meek shall inherit the earth. Right now, it doesn't really seem that way. Uh, people who are harsh, people who are, use worldly power to subject others, th- those are the people who, who have the earth right now. So what's going on here? What does it mean for the meek to inherit the earth. Well, I think this is pointing towards the, what is called the eschaton. Now, eschaton just means end times. And you'll hear me use this other word, eschatology. It just means study of end times. And so I think Jesus is pointing towards his return. You will inherit the earth. Let's turn to Revelation 21. I know I've read a bit of this before. I'm going to read it again. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. New heaven and new earth. Now, we're not going to go into, obviously, breaking all of what this means down right now. But he's making all things new. All things. So when he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, it's not, it's not the earth as it is currently. It's not the earth that is polluted by sin. It's not the earth that is polluted by, by the devil and evil. No, no, no. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, this earth that is going to be new. Where we can be in the presence of God, be in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So yes, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Church, that is our heritage, as it says in Revelation. See, in Christ, we can be in the presence of God. Right now, with his, spirits, we can, with his Spirit, we can be in the presence of God. And when he returns, we'll be in his fullness, when all things are new. So as Christ was meek, let us be meek. If you have any need, you can come as we stand and sing. Yeah.